And now, a warrior for the Word of God and the Constitution of the United States, a Marine Corps veteran, a Harvard-trained attorney, Bishop of the Call Churches, and founder and president of STAND, staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening, your host, Bishop E. W. Jackson. And I am he. Great to be with you again today. I hope you're enjoying the day. And you know, folks, I didn't think I was going to have any excitement at all about the Olympics. And then along came Tamira Mensa Stock, <laughs> who won the gold medal in wrestling and had the unmitigated gall to thank God and express how grateful she is and proud she is to represent the United States of America. <laughs> I want to say hallelujah. Oh, my goodness, that just did me so much good. It really did. Because at a time when so many of our young people are imbued with this, this nonsense, this I'm oppressed and I'm this and I'm that, or I'm an oppressor. And I don't respect the flag, and I'm embarrassed to be an American, and I don't like my country. And I, You get this young lady who has won the gold medal saying, I am grateful to be in the USA. I love it. She said, I love living here. <laughs> I love being here. And I am proud to represent my country and, and draped herself in the flag of the United States of America. And I tell you, Oh, my goodness gracious. That just makes my day. It really does. It makes my day. Because, look, folks, that's the future of our country. This young lady, by the way, happens to be an American of African ancestry. I guess her father is Ghanaian, um, and I forget her mother's background. But she happens to be an American of, of some African ancestry anyway. But that really doesn't matter because... When they asked her, what did she think that that meant for all the people watching her? She talked about all the young girls. She didn't say young, only black girls, only white girls. She just said all the young girls who will watch me and think, you know, you can do it. You can, you can reach the pinnacle. You can go to the heights. Go for it. And I just thought, wow. In other words, she's inspiring Americans. Americans of all backgrounds. That's the future of our country, folks. That's where our future lies. It does not lie in this critical race theory nonsense or this tribalism that the left is perpetrating against our country to divide us and set us against each other and make everybody suspicious and frankly make everybody delusional or 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 as I put yes as I put it yesterday, mentally ill in effect. I mean, delusion goes far enough, and you basically lose connection to reality. And that's where that stuff takes you, with the microaggressions and the implied bias and the systemic and structural racism, and it's all around us, and it's in the air. And every time you breathe, you're breathing it in, and you're an oppressor, and you're the oppressed, and you're a victim, and you're a victimizer. Yikes. And this young lady just, frankly, blew the all of these little spoiled brats out of the water, including Gwen Dingleberry, just blew them out of the water with her enthusiasm and her emotion and her, her unapologetic expression of gratefulness to God and, 
and uh, so glad to be uh, representing the USA. I, I mean, folks, that that was that was strong medicine. <laughs> it was it was it was good stuff, and uh, to me, it just it just demonstrates the 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 utter pettiness and the smallness of these people who like um, um, this Barry, Gwen Barry said that she wanted to win so that she could get up on the stage and demonstrate and show her, uh, you know, basically show every, show the world how much she disdains America. Well, thank God she was denied that opportunity. And somebody like this young lady, this young lady in particular, earned that opportunity and used it for the best. Tamara Mensa Stock. Oh, I'd love to meet her. <laughs> you know, that's she. Yes, indeed. It, that's it's she is. She is a blessing. And and so, folks, what a what a great note to start the program off with, because very often, you know, I try to encourage you, but then I I launch into the issues of the day. Well, here's I don't have to encourage you. This is encouraging. Right. It, it, it just it it speaks for itself. And uh, and it's great. And I, I long for the day when we send Olympic teams around the world and they all are unified in their love for our country and their respect for our flag and their, their honor for our national anthem. And they want the world to understand that we know we are the greatest nation on earth, not because we're inherently or genetically better people, but because our nation is built on foundational principles of faith and family and freedom and individual liberty and personal responsibility and Judeo-Christian values and respect for others to speak their minds and their consciences and to, to practice their religion without governmental hindrance uh, and, to, and to believe what their faith teaches them without being persecuted or fired from their jobs or, or run out of their businesses for it. That's the kind of country I see for us in the future because that's the kind of country I believe our founding fathers envisioned. And that's the kind of country that we've got to be for the future if we're going to be a country at all. So hats off to Tamara Mensa Stock uh, for reminding us uh, of what it means to be an American, the pride, the, the honor, the gratitude that we have for living in this great land of opportunity and uh, living in, in this constitutional republic which secures freedoms not given to us by the government but granted to us by almighty God and that governments are instituted in this country. We understand that governments are instituted among us to secure those liberties and rights, not to decide what we get and what we don't get and to pick and choose winners and losers and to, and to basically reward us to the extent that we adhere to the predominant ideology and punish us if we don't. That's what communist China does. That's what Cuba does. That's what North Korea does. That's not what we do in the United States of America, even there are some people who want us to become that. As you know, the left always says, we use our religion as an opportunity to discriminate so now is uh, Tamara Mensa stock because she thanked God it was she is suddenly now a bigot and a hater because she expressed love for her country. Now, what is she, a fascist now? 
see the emptiness of that that whole Marxist perspective is made plain. It it is it is, if you will, made incarnate by a young lady like this who says, I know I'm blessed to be an American, and I I thank God for the gifts that he's given me uh, to be able to do what I'm doing right now. So, hey, folks, I, I made my day. <laughs> yes, indeed. I, and I trust there will be men. And, and be, look, and the fact that she is black, here again, it shouldn't matter, but right now it does. Because to me, it speaks to all these Black Lives Matter thugs and idiots running around this country who think that disdaining the flag and disrespecting the flag and disregarding the flag and calling to burn this thing down and all of that, it, it, it demonstrates just how empty they are because here's a young lady who knows that she has been mightily blessed and knows that the color of her skin has not stood in her way at all. She's got the gold. Thank you very much. We have a saying in the law, it's Latin, Reese ipsiloquitur, the thing speaks for itself. And amen to that. Back in a moment. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Back in 1996, Samuel Huntington wrote The Clash of Civilizations and the Remaking of the World Order. He predicted the current conflict between Islam and the West. In my book, Understanding Islam and Terrorism, I show how this clash of civilizations has had a profound impact on missions. In the past, countries that were close to the gospel tended to be communist countries. Even so, there is still a significant amount of Christian growth in countries behind the Iron Curtain and Bamboo Curtain. With the collapse of the Soviet Union, many of these countries are now open to the gospel more than ever. Meanwhile, persecution of Christians remains in China. But a new phenomenon has emerged. Muslim countries are now the most resistant to the message of Christianity. Mission work is limited or even non-existent in many of these Muslim countries. This, I believe, represents the greatest challenge for missions in the 21st century reaching the Muslim world for Christ. Samuel Huntington also predicted a growing conflict between Western universalism and Muslim militancy. In other words, the conflict is between liberal Western democracies and Muslim countries. This presents a major challenge for Christians trying to reach Muslims. When they see the West with its immorality and decadence, they reject it and Christianity. After all, they reason these are Christian countries and this is what they produce. Therefore, we should be quick to point out, as Christians, we also disagree with much of what some of these countries produce. Whether we are missionaries overseas or missionaries in our backyard, we need to begin to understand the nature of Islam and bring the message of the gospel to the Muslims we meet. I believe Samuel Huntington is correct in his analysis, and we should begin to understand the changing world around us so that we can be more effective for Christ. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. For a free copy of Kirby's booklet, A Biblical View on Antisemitism, go to viewpoints.info slash antisemitism. Viewpoints.info slash antisemitism. Hi, I'm Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. The fastest growing crime in America and across the world is sex trafficking. We're talking about millions of lives every day, even children. Do you know the average age of a child who is trafficked is 12 years old? I know it's not a fun subject to talk about, but God has called the church to take its blinders off and help end this human tragedy. Eight Days of Hope has decided to be a part of that solution. 
God's opened up a door for us to partner with existing ministries, and that's where we bring skilled volunteers to renovate, rebuild, or remodel facility for survivors to receive the emotional, physical, and spiritual healing they need. If you're skilled in any trade and you want to use your gifts for a greater purpose, please contact us at safehouse at 8daysofhope.com. We would love for you to join us on our next project. For more information about the ministry of 8 Days of Hope, please go to 8daysofhope.com. That's 8daysofhope.com. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Now, you know, I've been thinking today about the number of crises that we are facing in our country right now. And I listed out five major crises in the country. And of course, they touch on news matters today. And I'd like to get your take on, on what you think is the biggest threat to us right now. Here are the five major crises as I see them. Number one, number one major crisis as I see it is the border. Because I believe that this thing affects us on so many levels. It undermines the rule of law. It undermines our national sovereignty. It undermines our national security. Uh, it undermines our health because we've got people pouring across the border who have COVID. We know that. That's not speculation. That's a fact. So it undermines the health of the American people. Uh, it undermines our election integrity because we know that these leftists want these people across the border so that they can put them in a position to vote, with whether they're citizens or not. Remember, I shared with you all a New York Times editorial that says there's no reason in the world why you, you should have to be a citizen to vote. And I said, they didn't come up with that off the top of their heads. That's something that they're, they're putting their heads together behind the scenes to say, how can we push this? How can we get people to buy into this? And what we'll see are cities all over the country who are in control of their own local elections saying, well, we don't care whether you're a citizen or not. That's irrelevant. So this, this, this border stuff and, and folks, we, we couldn't expect up to 2 million people entering this country as illegal immigrants this year, completely bypassing the system, completely bypassing the normal immigration process. And now we can add another million potentially to that because I just found out today that Biden is very quietly expanding what he calls TPS, Temporary Protective Services, uh, Temporary Protective Status and, and they're looking at bringing three-quarter of a million Venezuelans into the country. Three-quarters of a million. Well, if, they, if they're looking at three-quarters of a million, you know what that means? It'll be a million. If you add that on to the other potentially two million people who could enter the country, because we do have open borders now, we're looking at three million people flooding our cities, flooding our country, many of them gang members, many of them MS-13, many of them criminals, many of them with COVID. And then, then you've got the long-term problem of taking care of all these people because most of them are not going to be coming here and going to work. They're going to be needing to be taken care of. They're going to flood the healthcare system. They're going to, 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 to over uh, uh, rot our, our, our welfare system, um, or should we say overwhelm our welfare system. 
And we're looking at a potential economic disaster, not to mention a potential health disaster. Oh, and let's mention one other thing. They're adding to, because we know not everybody crossing the border, they're committing a crime to do that, but we know not everybody crossing the border illegally comes here to be a criminal, a street criminal, but many of them do, and many of them will be. So we've already got a crime crisis, so now add to that people coming across the border. So to me, this, this border situation is numero uno. And the Biden administration keeps acting like, oh, we got it under control. It's really not a problem. I mean, are they that delusional or they just know better and they're lying because they don't care? I think it's the latter. I think it's the latter. They don't care because as long as they think it enhances their power, the American people can go to Hades as far as they're concerned. And I'm serious about that. The American people can go to Hades as long as it's, it, it satisfies their lust for power and their ability to get themselves in office and to stay in office. Somebody was just talking about the craziness going on in New York. And, and, and I heard somebody say, this is what you get when you have one party rule. And that's what the Democrats want for the American people. They want one party rule. They want their way or the highway. It's one thing to have it in a state. You can escape that state. It's another thing to have it take over the entire country. And that's where they're going with this. And this border crisis, I think, is really a major piece of that. Okay, the second thing to me, uh, you might think it should be the economy. But you know what I think the second biggest crisis we face is? The Marxist and racial ideology and demagoguery that is become pervasive in all of our institutions. It's in the corporate world. It's in the colleges and universities, of course. That's where it's emanating from. It's in the public schools and colleges. It's in the, it's in the, the institutions of art. Uh, and it's, it's even found its way into math and science and biology and, and chemistry. Uh, this stuff is poisoning the entire culture, and this is what's convincing our young people that they don't have a country they can be proud of. And, you know, think about this, folks. I don't want this, and you don't want it either. But God forbid, if we have to fight a war, who's going to fight it? If half the young people in our country believe that we would be better off as a socialist country and as presently constituted, we're unjust. As presently constituted, they're not proud of our country. As presently constituted, we're, they're embarrassed you think they're going to pick up an M-17 and go fight? I don't think so. Where, where does the courage, where does the commitment, where does the inspiration come from to stand against an enemy that wants to subjugate us if you've got half of our population, particularly of young people, who think the country's not worth fighting for? If you don't think it's worth rooting for in the Olympics, you think it's worth picking up a gun for and going fighting to fight an enemy who wants to kill you or subjugate you or enslave you? This stuff is poison, folks. It's poison. And I think it is, it is, a, it is a crisis that must be addressed by the American people. And I, I think we can't mince words about just how deadly it is. I mean, just the analogy I just gave you, I haven't heard anybody else talk about that. But think of the implications of that. If you're a young person, 18 to 25 years old, and you hate the country, you're embarrassed to be an American. If we, if we get into a, a, a serious conflict, God forbid, I don't want it, you don't want it, I hope it doesn't happen. 
But let's not kid ourselves to think it could never happen. We still live in an evil world with people who have evil emotion, evil intentions. And if it were to happen, you think those kids, they're embarrassed to be Americans and hate America and won't stand up for the flag and won't, won't uh, say the Pledge of Allegiance and won't stand up for the national anthem? You think they're going to go fight for us? We used to have our young people as patriots who, who understood that this nation was worth fighting and bleeding and dying for if necessary to preserve our freedom. Uh, I know that there are young, some, some young people out there, some of you are probably listening to me right now who feel that way, but, I'm, but I also know there's a whole bunch of them out there who feel exactly the opposite. That not only is America not worth fighting and dying for, that they might side with the, with the, with the opposition against America because they're so resentful of our country. They've been brainwashed into it. That to me, is the, that's the second big crisis in our country. I'll move to the other three quickly and then take your calls after this break. Now, the third would be the economy, inflation, debt, restoring our manufacturing base. I mean, we got runaway inflation. I don't care what President Joe Biden says about it's temporary, it's transitory. He's, a, he's lying. He's lying. How, you, you, you can't roll back what's happening now. You can't roll that back. It's got to be slowed down to allow the economy and wages to catch up with it, but it's already out of hand. And it's because we are running up massive debt and there doesn't seem to any, be any end to it in sight. I mean, they, these people, these leftists want to spend trillions of dollars that we don't have. They're printing money or borrowing it from communist China. And then I'll tell you, folks, I, I, I just get personally disgusted sometimes when I buy something, open up the package and look on the thing and it says made in China. And I just think to myself, what, what are we doing to ourselves? You know, we, we've, got, we've got an employer, an employee shortage. We've got jobs that we can't fill because we're busy trying to turn this country into a socialist nation, and China is busy trying to become so economically power, powerful that they simply overrun us. The fourth is national security, and that deals with everything pretty much I've said because everything I've said so far... Uh, deals with the issue of national security ultimately because if you've got a, a, a lack of sovereignty, you've got a lack of respect for law, you've got Marxist anti-American ideology racing through the culture, you've got a bad economy that is having a difficult time meeting the needs of our people, guess what that does? That undermines our national security. That has China looking at us and, and licking their lips when they watch us disintegrate, when they watch all the racial craziness going on in the country with the pushing all these, these racist ideologies, Black Lives Matter and cri critical race theory, and they just look at us and laugh and go, you know, we don't, we don't have to do anything to these Americans. What? They're imploding. They're imploding. We can, we'll be able to take them without firing a shot because they're destroying themselves. I believe Russia and Putin, same way. These people don't have our best at heart. And Iran, of course, wants to blow us out of the water. They don't have the power to do that. But they certainly have the power to side with these, these other countries in helping to do that. They'd love to destroy Israel. 
And then North Korea, we already know, North Korea would love to lob a nuclear bomb over here. And they would if they could. And they look at they look at our internal disarray and weakness and watch people on the international stage denouncing their own country. And they I think they just laugh because they know no Chinese citizen would ever do such a thing, or for different reasons, of course. Stand by and I'll give you the final crisis when we come back. It's my turn. Here is your host for my turn, Don Wildman. Some years ago, several soldiers were having a good time in the Soldiers' Entertainment Center. Someone began playing the piano and a crowd gathered. Soon the man playing the piano struck up a very familiar tune and several in the crowd joined in singing. Some of you who... Old enough may remember the song. It goes like this. What's the use of worrying? It never was worthwhile. So pack up your troubles in your old kid bag and smile, smile, smile. Well, someone in the crowd recognized the man playing the piano. Do you know who that is playing the piano? He asked the soldier next to him. That's Felix Lloyd Powell, the man who wrote the song. You know, many wish life was as simple as the songs suggest. It would be a neat trick if we could pack up our troubles in an old kit bag and spend the day smiling. But unfortunately, life doesn't operate that way. Some things in life cannot be tucked away and forgotten. It's true that many try to pack up their troubles. They try various bags. Some try the bag of alcohol only to find that the trouble is still there when the hangover is gone. There's an old saying that the fastest way out of town is on a good, cheap drunk. The only catch is that town is still there when you wake up. Still others believe their troubles can be packed up in a dope needle. They try that bag. The only catch here is that the troubles won't stay in the bag unless we push another needle or eat another pill. And when we stop, those same troubles are still there looking us in the eye. Police in Tacoma, Washington, found a note on the body of a 20-year-old, well-dressed youth. In part, it said, Dope ruined my life and took away my happiness forever. I could never live in a state of mind I was in. How we humans wish we could take a pill or push a button and our problems would be automatically solved. Some years ago, a financially secure man told me that Mankind was on the verge of building utopia here on earth by his own initiative. Then, he said, we can solve all our problems. One wonders sometimes if what we are building isn't closer to a Hades than a utopia. Unfortunately, you can't take a pill or push a button and get at the inside of a person. Life simply doesn't work that way. But we can find help for our problems God will help us. He may not lead us to a quick, easy, and simple solution, but He will help us. And when they get too heavy for us to carry, we can turn our troubles over to Him. At least it will get the weight off of our back. The music soon stopped in the Soldiers' Entertainment Center. People went back to other things. In a few minutes, they heard a gunshot. Going to the room where the gunshot came from, 
they found Felix Lloyd Powell dead. There was a revolver in his hand. Don't put your troubles in an old kit bag of any kind and continue smiling. If you can't handle them, turn them over to God. He can help. This has been My Turn with Don Wildman, a production of the American Family Association. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. The number is 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. Now, look, the last crisis I want to mention is a constitutional crisis. And we are in a constitutional crisis right now. And COVID has brought this into bold relief. I want you to observe this. Think about this. In 18 months of COVID, how much other than among some a very small group of constitutional conservatives in Congress, for example, or in the Senate, how much have you heard the discussion sort of underlying COVID policy? Well, everything we do must be measured against the Constitution. We are a free people, and we don't have the right to do whatever we want to do, not even in what we would consider a crisis, because we believe that the rights of the American people and their freedoms our liberty is, is not something that the government gives and can take away willy-nilly based on anything. So our policies must be crafted with the understanding that we are a free people. How often have you heard that? You don't. You don't. Because basically it's as if the Constitution has been thrown out the window and we'll, we'll pick it up when we need it. But right now we don't need it because we've got other we, – we have more important things to think about. And this affects so – many aspects of our lives. We see it in our, our, uh, the encroachment on our freedom of speech. You can't say certain things because it is deemed hate speech. Now we're finding out that you can't say certain things, but it is, it is deemed misinformation. And our Second Amendment rights are under assault. I, I'm sure that you all saw the story that that couple in St. Louis, thank God, it was pardoned by the governor, um, they came out on their property because some protesters, Black Lives Matter protesters, and you know, it's interesting too, the way the story is written by the mainstream media, Governor pardoned St. Louis couple who pointed guns at Black Lives Matter protesters. As if they walked out of their houses, went and found some Black Lives Matter protesters and pointed their guns at them. As if they were walking by peacefully singing, we shall overcome. They came onto their property. I, I saw the pictures and the video. They were engaging them aggressively, screaming at them. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. That's why the Second Amendment is there. Because the Second Amendment implies a right of self-defense. What do you need to keep and bear arms for? It is a right of self-defense. And I'll, I'll be very honest with you. Somebody's walking down the street past my house protesting. God bless them. You know, no problem. But if they turn and come on my property and start heading toward my door, 
and the the group seems to be aggressive and angry and chanting, as we saw some protesters chanting outside people's houses, give up your houses, you didn't earn them, you stole this from the, you know, all, all this nonsense. Reparations, you stole it from the Native Americans. Somebody starts moving toward my home. I am going to step outside, and I am going to be armed. I, because what are you going to do? Stay inside and let them crash the door in and get inside your house? Because a crowd as large as the one they were confronting, had they gotten the, the, the drop on them, they could have killed them. And they didn't shoot anybody. They didn't hurt anybody. They simply made the, let the crowd know, you are not coming in our home. You are on our property. Move on. But the story is written like, oh, no, they were just going by on the street and they and 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 uh, this couple came out and uh, and just Mark McCluskey and his wife just came out and brandished their guns to show them how much they hated them. I mean. Th this stuff is just it's unconscionable. See, we are in a constitutional crisis because if we weren't. It would be a no brainer. People came on your property. It was a large crowd. They were making threatening noises. They were coming at you. You step out on your porch with firearms to let them know that you would not allow them to encroach on your property or to do you harm. They finally moved on. End of discussion. You exercise your constitutional rights. Oh, no, 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 no. No, they had to plead guilty to misdemeanor assault and harassment and surrender their weapons. And they, what they were doing was exercising their constitutional rights. Mark and Patricia McCluskey exercising their constitutional rights. And I understand the pressure they came under because they were probably threatening to put them in jail for exercising those rights. That tells me we are in a constitutional crisis. Because here again, that should be a no-brainer. This shouldn't even be a question. You didn't shoot anybody. You didn't hurt anybody. They were on your property. They were coming toward you. You weren't coming toward them. They were coming toward you. And you basically held them off. What wrong have you done? But you got these little George Soros prosecutors running around the country looking for an opportunity to undermine the Constitution. Uh, I read an article the other day that said, that George Soros did more damage to Romania than probably ever, any figure in history, using his money to destroy that country. And you know what? He'll use his money to destroy America if we let him. And we're not going to let him. That's part of the constitutional crisis. People like him, Bill Gates, Big Tech, all these folks, they don't, they don't, they don't respect the Constitution. Joe Biden doesn't respect it. Um, these, these, leftist mayors and governors across the country. They don't respect the Constitution. They probably never read it. Don't know what it says and don't care. That puts us in a constitutional crisis, folks, because that's what separates us from the rest of the world. That, that we are a constitutional republic, not a mobocracy, but a constitutional republic. All right, let's take some of your calls. Uh, let's get to Thomas in Virginia. Thomas, welcome. Oops, oops, hold on. No, there you go, Thomas. You, you, there you go. My yes, buttons are a little stiff there. Yes, good to hear from yeah. you, Thomas. Go right uh, ahead. Oh, 
Thank you for taking my call. Uh, getting back to the girl at the Olympics there, uh, I did a little study yesterday, and I checked all the Marxist, I mean, mainstream media uh, outlets, <laughs> and uh, and I checked to see if they had anything on that, and none of them even mentioned her. They had a little bitty picture it over in the corner, and the only the only uh, news outlet that, that had a full-blown, had her speech and everything was Fox. And all the mainstream media, none of them even hardly mentioned her. So what's that wow. tell us? <laughs> well, it tells us what That's we already know, Thomas. Yeah, thank you, Thomas, for the call. Yeah, it tells us what we already know. These people are gone. They, they, that's their part of the constitutional crisis because they don't understand the nature of the country. They don't even like it themselves. And somebody like her, they don't want to hear from. Thank you for the call to Thomas. Let's go to Kim in Mississippi. Kim, welcome. Hey, Bishop Jackson. I want to thank you for everything that you do. I listen to you most every day. I thank God for you. What I want to talk to you about today is an opinion that I have about the people who hate our wonderful country so much. You know, I believe that if every 18-year-old male and female were required by law to serve a two-year tour of third-world countries rotating every three months, and just all we provide for them is, is a place to stay and food, and they have to serve humanitarian aid while they're doing this tour, then they come back home. I think they would have a different outlook on the amazing country that we have. My second thought about that is that if, even I have not done that, but I think every person who serves in any kind of leadership role in this country from the president down to the congressman should have to have had that two-year duty or they cannot serve. Hey, Kim, look, that idea is one that's been floated. And thank you for the call, too, Kim. That idea has been floated, um, uh, some sort of universal service. And I'll tell you, I've always been inclined toward it. I think we'd have a hard time um, forcing anybody to do it. But we need something, don't we? We need something to unify us. We need something to give us a sense of common purpose and vision. And you're right, look, I've met people. Uh, I've met guys who felt the same way about our country as some of these leftists feel until they visited, until they served time in Iraq, went and you know, did military service in Iraq or, or uh, Afghanistan, and they came home with a whole new appreciation for America. Back in a moment. Friendships is offering an exciting opportunity for young adults who want to grow in their walk with God, become physically fit, and learn relief ministry while serving in the Middle East. This is an amazing opportunity to serve God and experience Israel. Check out Seahawks one-year scholarship program at friendships.org or call 337-433-5022. That's 337-433-5022. The next session begins August 19th. Do you want your taxes to help fund abortions? The House of Representatives is about to start voting on appropriations bills. Congress has made sure to include pro-life amendments and appropriations bills for almost 40 years. But this year, the Smith Amendment, the Hyde Amendment, and others could be removed, opening the avenue for abortion funding. Please urge your representative to vote against any appropriations bills that don't prohibit taxpayer funding for abortions. Get more information at afa.net. Hi, my name's Eric. And I'm Kendra. And we have been married a little over two years now. Honestly, I think the, the most challenging part of our marriage so far, we're right in the middle of it. We're trying to have kids right now. I have a spinal cord injury, so that makes things a little more difficult. And 
Um, I just am, am dealing with some issues with infertility. The difficulty is on my end. But it's our infertility. But it is our, yeah. Because we're right. one now. <laughs> and I, I think what's really helped us through this is keeping Jesus at the center mm-hmm. of it all and knowing that anything that causes you to lean and depend on Jesus more is actually a blessing. Yes. It's heartening to, to know that I have someone who's, she's on my team. Tune into By Design as we explore God's true purpose and design for marriage. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. First of all, you understand that everything that has happened in your life, this is a hard one. God saw it before it happened. Deborah Pagay on today's Focus on the Family Minute. He saw it before it happened and he saw it while it was happening and he could have stopped it. That has been a big pill to swallow. God saw that, he could have stopped it. So it must gonna be something that's gonna work together for my good ultimately. If I'm gonna grow, something good is gonna happen. If you don't take a divine perspective towards that kind of pain, you're gonna get stuck in it. You're gonna say it shouldn't have happened. Right. And it, and it probably quote, shouldn't have happened, but in his divine providence, God knows. Yeah. And, I, and that's always been my thing. All the days ordained for me were already written in his book. Not the good days, the bad days too. Yeah, so you and can so, relax. I, yes, I can relax knowing this somehow in this. So I'm going to choose how I remember this. Trust God with your past and know that he uses all things for good. More from Deborah at FamilyMinute.org. Back to The Awakening with Bishop E.W. Jackson on American Family Radio. All right, the number is 888-589-8840. Let's come right back to the phones. Uh, we've got Mike from Missouri. Mike, welcome. Hey, Semper Fi. This is your brother, Dan, Marine brother down here in Missouri. Uh, Semper Fi, brother. Uh, you know, that situation went on in St. Louis. The reason that happened is because, for one, that city has been controlled by Democrats for years. You know, it, it's been screwed up for a long time. I live 70 miles south of St. Louis. But when you get down here in the country where I live, it's a whole different story. <laughs> they had uh, they had uh, Antifa come through here about a year ago, one of these small towns down here, and got off the bus. And uh, they were waiting for them down here, the locals holding their firearms. And one of those little kids went to set the U.S. flag on fire, and before he could even do it, he was slammed to the ground. Someone picked up the flag, folded it, and walked off with it. Well, they went to the police and they wanted to do something about the police. Just told them, said, we didn't see anything. And they were told, they were told, you need to get on your bus and you need to leave. And that's what they did. And when they went to the next town down here, about the same thing happened. They didn't even get off the bus. They were waiting for them. They told them, you just need to stay on your bus and move on. And, uh, you know, people down here in the rural areas, they have a little more common sense. They don't tolerate that yeah. nonsense. And, uh, you know, Good. I think they're, they're, they're getting an education, you know, when they get out of the cities. Things are a lot different when you get out of the major cities. Amen. Amen. Mike, you'll break up a little bit. Listen, thank you for the call. And I I, I agree with you. That's why the left coast and the east coast hate flyover country, because they know those places where Americans, as some of you have pointed out, uh, stick their hands in the dirt and and work and uh, and and enjoy nature and and are out there helping neighbor, helping neighbor without the government interfering and telling you what you can and cannot do and what you should and should not do and what you, uh, and all of that. It, it's, it, it, it maintains an entirely different mindset than these 
these urban areas where you've got political machines essentially controlling everybody. Uh, so it's a, it's a whole different world. And that's the world that made America, by the way. It's that flyover country that made America. Not these, these urban jungles, frankly, that made America, but that flyover country. And I'm not talking about race, folks. I'm talking about principles, ideals, uh, attitudes. Uh, this stuff that's grown up in the urban areas of our country is just, it's, it's poison. I, I think I've shared with you all, and I'll come right back to your calls, but my father used to tell me, son, nobody owes you anything. You work for what you want. And you don't ever take from somebody else what they've earned. You earn your own. Now, that people in rural areas understand that's the way you live. And, and I think most people in the country used to understand that. But unfortunately, what's happened is these urban areas have been taken over really by a socialist mindset and an entitlement mindset and a victimization mindset uh, that is completely antithetical to who we are as Americans and what our country was intended to be. So, yeah, I, I, I hear you, brother. Uh, and Antifa, Antifa? Oh, don't get me started on them. Uh, Anti-fascists. They're the biggest fascists on the planet. Give me a break. They think they can shut down everybody else's speech because they're the only ones who know what speech is appropriate and what's not. Who made them God? All right, let's come to Chad in Texas. Chad, welcome. Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, thank you also for all you do for us out here bringing us the news, but good news as well. Um, where I think our biggest problem is, is these coward dog Republicans who have bellied up and allow the Democrats to just walk all over them and also in return allows them to walk all over us here and uh, for years and years, you know, going way back to where they're just taking over. And it's all been allowed by these Republicans who get in the House and the Senate and such as that and just allow them to do it. So I think that's where yeah. our problems are. Well, look, Chad, that that certainly is a problem. Um I don't think they're the cause of the crisis, but I think they are one of the reasons why we don't we don't solve the crisis as readily as we could and should if they would just stand up for who we are as a country and and not apologize. Because you know, it's interesting to me that you can call Christians and conservative Nazis and bigots and haters and 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 basically anything you want. But how often do you hear a, a conservative or Republican politician point out that these folks that they're dealing with are communists? Rarely, rarely, but they are. I mean, look, I'm convinced of this, folks. For all practical purposes, the Democrat Party has really become a manifestation of the Communist Party in America. That's the way they want to go. There, you've got a few moderates who, who don't want to. I mean, maybe Manchin, but they all just seem to be pretty much going with the flow. Let's turn it into a socialist country. And as Marx said, socialism is the pathway to communism. So if they can call us Nazis, which is not true, because all of us hate Hitler and are glad we defeated the Nazis and glad that, that frankly, I'm glad that he killed himself. Um, you know, save somebody else the trouble of having to do it. He's in hell right now, and I'm glad because he belonged there. Uh, but 
we're going to call us Nazis and we can't point out that these people are a bunch of Marxists and, and communists and fascists and totalitarianists. I mean, so, yeah, you're, you're right. We, I think we, need to, we need to toughen up a little bit um, and, and, and really get, if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who shall prepare for the battle? Come on, let's make, let's make the sound quite clear as to what we're dealing with here. Thanks for the call, Chad. Let's go to Jeff in Texas. Jeff, welcome. Yeah, how's your name, my brother? I'm blessed, dad, Jeff. Mom. Thank you, sir. My dad just died. My mom, mom died of six months before he did. He's in the 100 per carbon. Oh, wow. If it wasn't for the 100, if it wasn't, if it wasn't, wasn't for the 100 per, we'd probably all be talking German right now. I was in a bad car wreck in Miami, and my poor mom spent 20 years taking care of me. I was in bad shape. I was going to come up three and a half months. Wow. And I was up there two, two weeks before I started remembering. My voice, my voice is a little affected, but other than that, not right. been too bad. Well, Jeff, thank you. Jeff, thank you so much for the call. And thank, I appreciate your dad's service and appreciate your mom's service to you and taking care of you. And, Jeff, appreciate that you listen to and enjoy the broadcast. Uh, we love your brother. Thank you so much. Call us again, okay? Glad to hear from you. Uh, the number, again, is 888-589-8840. Got a couple lines, but we're going to and, and, uh, but, but, and so we're we're try to get to everybody that we have. So let's, let's keep going here. Let's go to Jewel in Tennessee. Jewel, welcome. Hi. Um, I would like prayer uh, for my son. He's been missing for 10 days. His uh, gay roommate. Uh, wanted to sleep with him, and so my son is not gay. So he started taking pictures of my son and put it out on the Internet. But uh, I would like prayer for that and prayer for me to keep my focus because I'm going to have to do some things that I don't want to do, but I have to do them. Well, Jewel, you stay prayerful, too, and don't, don't you know, make sure that what, that what you do is, is being led and guided by the Holy Spirit. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for the safe return of Jewel's son. We don't know where he is, but you do. You know exactly where he is. Lord, unite him, reunite him with his mother, and protect him from the evil that tried to come upon him. And we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Jewel, please call me again and let me know how you make out, okay? And email me uh, at ewj at standamerica.us. Thank you for the call, Jewel. Wow, that's, that's tragic news, but we're believing weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. Amen. I'm just going to believe that. Uh, John in Kansas. John, welcome. Yes. Thank you for, very much, Bishop. Uh, uh, in the U.S. here, they're worried about the Delta variant, and uh, the current rate is about three hundredths of one percent. Those coming across the border illegally in the South have a rate, they just told us, about 16 percent. That's a factor of more than 500 times of COVID coming across the border that we have currently here in the U.S. that is a supposed crisis. And yet, and yet, we allow them to pour across the border 
And we right now, New York has, for all practical purposes, has implemented a vaccine passport now. So we here again, we seem to want to crack down on the liberty of Americans, but we're willing to we're willing to open our borders and let people flood across with a disease that they're telling the rest of us could kill us. Uh, what's wrong with that picture? And we we know what the what the real issue is, John. The real issue is that these people are not interested in helping the American people to deal with COVID. They're interested in power and control. Uh, thank you for the call, John. The the Obama party is another indication of that. I understand he's reduced his guest list now to about 180. Whoa, wow, man, what a sacrifice. So the Obama worship service will only have 180 people there to worship him. Hmm, that's, well, I'll tell you. Now, you, you talk about taking one for the team. That is a real big sacrifice. Only 180 people in his $12 million mansion. Man, I'll tell you, I, you just have to take your hat off and just, just scratch your head at a person's courage and, and fortitude and sacrifice and willingness to just, just power through under the most difficult circumstances. Uh, give me a break. You know, I, I tell you, folks, th- these people are so full of themselves and hypocrisy. Look, I I don't care about Obama having a party with 500 or 700 people, I don't care. But when you're gonna lecture the rest of us and tell the rest of us how selfish we are and how unpatriotic we are and you should get vaccinated and you should have, you should wear a mask and, and then they will basically do whatever they want to do. We're, we're just not buying it. We're going to make our own decisions for ourselves. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm not jealous of him having a party, but just don't lecture me about what I can and can't do. Uh, well, folks, that's going to do it for today. Really enjoyed it, as always, talking to you all. God bless you. And remember, we cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.